health is about more than just staying fit. And with every year that goes by, I'm becoming more and more fascinated by how what we eat can impact our health and our potential, with a particular focus on gut health and the gut microbiome. It's not just what I eat either, it's how I eat too. It's all connected. That's why I've developed my own number one living drinks brand. Number One Living is based on this idea, the simple notion that by putting our well-being first and improving the quality of what we put into our bodies, we get more out of life. My range of kombucha drinks are full of bacterial life cultures, designed for a happy and healthy gut. They're sugar-free, vegan and naturally sourced, so you can feel great on the inside and enjoy life on the outside. Choose from refreshing raspberry, passion fruit or our award-winning ginger and turmeric kombucha. The number one living range is widely available in Sainsbury's, Holland and Barrett's and Boots stores and online at numberoneliving.com. Grab yours today. Okay, on with the show. Health and well-being is not just for putting more years in your life, but actually about putting more life in your years. In fact, I think it's about putting more life in this moment right now. Hi, I'm Johnny Wilkinson. Health and well-being is such a big topic. Holds so, so much opportunity. The way I see it, there is no bigger topic because our health is absolutely linked to our potential. And actually, I think decides how much of it we get to encounter in our lives. For me, all lasting human transformation, all the big human transformations, when people go beyond what we believe possible, when they do amazing things, amazing healings, all these kind of things, they come about through a devotion on some level to health and well-being. But what is health and well-being? What does it actually mean to you, for example? Let me know in the comment section below if you like. I had the chance to investigate this very question with someone who's been exploring this concept for quite some time now, Dr. Rongan Chatterjee. Rongan has been practicing medicine for nearly 20 years and all his experience is leading him to see it as more of art than it is science. Dr. Rongan spent thousands of hours training, collaborating, all with top experts and clinicians around the world and with the aim of getting to the bottom of what really contributes to making and keeping us healthy. He's written books and has not just one, but two podcasts of his own on this subject. Above everything, though, he's changed and is, I think, continuing to change the lives of many people, whether it's stuff like reversing type 2 diabetes, eliminating IBS, or simply empowering people to become more responsible for sleep patterns, mental health, and what's going on in the mind too. The most refreshing aspect of all of this for me is just how open he is, how humble, curious, respectful he remains despite knowledge he's acquiring and all the revelations taking place within his world. For him, it's all about understanding how lifestyle factors, anything from upbringing, social status, stress levels, sleep, even mobile phone usage and habits, how they might be affecting physical and mental health. It's about getting to know the patient, really getting to know the patient. And I love this because it represents, I think, a willingness to listen and truly care for those he meets. Good health for him, he says, is accessible to every single one of us. He believes that people are needlessly suffering and that all of us can feel much better than we currently do. For me, health is comprised of four elements, breathing, nutrition, which is anything we consume, movement, including things like exercise and posture, and then there's our restfulness involving sleep, recovery, all types of things like that. And these, for me, are all fundamental to the optional functioning 
of our bodies and therefore our senses, but also the clarity and the creativity that we experience in our minds too. Dr. Rung will also tell you about his four pillars during the interview on Thursday, and they're remarkably similar to mine. The sense of being healthy for me, it's all about expansion. It feels like expansion. It's relaxation. It's definitely healing. It's feeling connected. It's feeling spacious, light. It's feeling engaged and effortless. It's feeling just so worthy and capable. The opposite, I guess, is contraction, is tension, is darkness. And the biggest word of it all, it just feels like stress. It's effort. It's trying. It's almost the hopelessness. It's definitely, definitely stress. So we discussed all about how the continuous stressing of our society plays havoc with these key four avenues of health that are available to us. We need to remember that our stress response impacts every organ system in the body. So have a bit of time to let it come up for you. It's it's so, so important. And I think, you know, you look around, I'm, I'm in London having this conversation with you. I'm down for a couple of days to do interviews for, for, for my new book, which is exciting, right? It's great when you've done a piece of work and then you're excited to go and talk to people. But you look around and it's different now from how it used to be, but it's busy. You go into a coffee shop and what do you see these days? You see people in a line. Imagine 15 years ago, you go into that same coffee shop in that line. What are people doing? You're standing in line, you're looking around, you're daydreaming. You might see a work colleague, you might see a friend. You know, you're sort of doing nothing, a micro moment of nothing that allows your brain to process stuff, that allows creativity, all kinds of things. Now, if you're not doing something like ordering or looking at what pastry you may or may not eat, everyone's head down on their phone, doing the email, catching up quickly, a quick check of Instagram. I get it. I'm not criticizing people. But what I am saying is that there is an impact of that. It means you are constantly feeding information and you're never, you know, you're never allowing yourself to just be. You know, we are human beings, not human doings. We are human beings. What also doesn't help is how we maybe are defining health and wellness at the moment either, as individuals or as a collective society. It does seem to be based on the externals, on the outside view, the perspective of others. It's about how maybe we should look, what we shouldn't be eating, what's trending, what we have to miss out on in order to sleep enough or to keep up with whatever we've been asked or told is right. There's no real engagement when this is the case on that deeper level. There's no subtlety or sensitivity in the awareness of what's happening on the inside of us. It's about meeting targets, meeting expectations and trying to do the right thing. And trying is the main area of stress. Health and well-being has become all about adding more, I think, to all our already full agendas. It's not as if we don't have enough on our plate as it is. And with time feeling like it's in short supply, we're already forced to choose between family, friends, and then find a way of keeping up with the everyday maintenance of our world. And now we have to fit in more and more. What we miss out on most in this way is restfulness. It's the calm, it's the peace, it's the inner tranquility, it's the composure, and it's that movement away from reactivity. We spend so much time reacting because we just don't feel like we have any space to breathe. When we are relaxed, though, those four avenues we spoke about come to life and look after themselves almost organically. Our breathing deepens just because we have that extra space 
we become far less compulsive with our food choices instead of needing to find comfort in what we're eating maybe we can actually hear what our body's asking for and what we do eat when we're feeling this way in that relaxed calm way it gets digested so much more fully and effectively our movement of course begins to flow in a far more efficient graceful and distressless way reducing wear and tear and as for sleep of course we get far more of it this way and actually end up needing less of it too the quality improves on top of this in other words our health looks after itself just like when we drop into deep sleep we can have this almost recovery going on throughout our day instead of waiting till we get to the end when we can slump down in the sofa and give ourselves permission to relax a little bit even if our minds keep going in a 10 minute consultation i'm not even getting even 1% of the information that you would ideally want right even if you go down the lifestyle route which i do with all of my patients you know we're all human so if i ask someone tell me about your lifestyle tell me about your diet do you know what they generally will do as I would probably do if I went to see someone, they give you their best day, right? When they're on it and they're actually eating the food that they want to, right? They don't really tell you about their weaknesses or their bad days. So I thought, wow, it's everything. It's not just food, movement, sleep, and relaxation, which is what I call the four pillars of health. It's also our emotional health. It's our relationships. It's how we talk to ourselves in our heads, these things all play a role in our health. And the other thought I've had recently, Johnny, which is kind of why I spent the last year writing a new book on happiness, is the, this idea that health and happiness are absolutely linked. The way we relate to our potential, therefore, for me and our health is so, so key. Almost like we can add a fifth avenue to those four we've already mentioned. And this one would be the requirement for a completely open mind. When we consider an open mind, a big question is asking ourselves, do we actually know what our best really is? Because if we do, then it's not our best. It actually becomes probably our most suffocating limit. We can easily get caught relating everything back to something we have seen before or a way that we felt before. And it's normally back in our glory days, maybe often when our memory has acquired a slightly rose-tinted feel to it too. Whatever we believe about ourselves, no matter how great it may seem, it's still going to hold us back in some way. And a little analogy I had for this with the open mind, I was thinking one day, for me growing up as a child, it was about, I used to get really excited about computer games or trainers and these kind of things. And I remember thinking, how cool would it be to have the money to have any pair of trainers you could ever want when I was younger? And I thought about this as that feeling when you're looking around a shop and if it was full of an infinite selection of all these shoes you could look at and thinking, I've got enough money to buy anything. There is no greater feeling. But as soon as I realized I made that choice and I had a pair of shoes, whatever they were, it somehow felt, although great, just a little less great than it was before when I hadn't made my choice. And I think this is the key to the open mind. As much as anything you can think of, no matter how great it is, when we take the unrealized and turn it into something solid, it loses its anything is possible feel. If we can maintain that idea in some way, we can realize also that our pocket's never empty. And what we're talking about here with this open mind is the ability to explore that right here in this moment, what's holding us back from connecting to this moment fully might just be one of those ideas that we've just locked into and somehow believe that we've made our choice and we can't change. 
we can't go back because my experience tells me that we never leave the car showroom. We never leave the shoe shop. We get a chance to trial and test run any of these things and it feels phenomenal. And yet we have the most amazing lease deal where we just don't have to pay any more money. We can just keep choosing who and how I want to be and explore it. But in order to do this, we need to be able to understand ourselves on a level deeper than what we think we are. Who we are, in my eyes, is simply an idea, or who we think we are is simply an idea constructed from and comprised of all sorts of conclusions, understandings that we've already made at some point in our lives and then committed to. And when left unchecked, these can reinforce themselves over and over within our minds as they manipulate evidence, the way we see the world around us, just in order to keep themselves going. They solidify and they end up becoming part of who we are. They're now no longer something we can just leave behind or walk away from. They are no longer a pair of shoes we can take off. And to continue the metaphor, we may have found the most perfect shoes for going to the office, and now we decide we want to go for a run in the forest, and we would love to be able to take them off and be someone different to enjoy this this run. But instead, we just feel slightly uncomfortable, slightly like we can't get into it, because it would be amazing if we could choose who and how we want to be for this moment. And maybe that's more possible than we think, but it's certainly more, I think, damaging than we realize when we lock ourselves into an idea and come to the end of our search. Rongan makes this point brilliantly by looking at the power of languages and labels, especially in his profession, the medical profession. I've been going through this process of ridding myself of labels. And when you said to me at the start of the show that this is called I Am... You know, initially straight away I went to these labels and I think, I am. I actually don't know who I am. Like, I don't identify anymore in the way that I used to. For example, society would say, I am a doctor and I'm a father, right? And I might have said those things a few years ago. And it's not that I'm not, but they're not who I am. They're roles that I play, right? And there's a subtle but important difference, right? If who I am as a doctor, and I, and I strongly identify to that, then what happens if I get sick and I can't work? What happens if I get fired from my job? What happens if I retire? This happens all the time to people who retire. Their sense of identity is wrapped up in their job. So when the job is no longer there, they feel worthless. And then they turn to what I call junk happiness, as opposed to, I think, the happiness we're all craving, which is what I call core happiness. So... If we do impose our own limits and they become part of who we are, we end up being recruited by them. Now we're forced to go out and battle for them, to defend them, to stand up for them, to keep them alive. And this is today's fight for survival. And when we're in this fight, we switch our state of being from one that has the potential to create and loves to connect and be curious and find amazing opportunity to one that has to control it has to manage everything from the objects around us to the way people think and feel about us. And in this state, health, potential, just love, compassion, beauty, humor, grace, playfulness, it all takes a backseat, as does evolution and all growth. In survival mode, growth just becomes irrelevant. There's no point of learning, connecting and thriving when you've got fires to put out. Having that open mind comes from a trust in ourselves and in the world around us that we're worthy of having what we want and doesn't need to be 
forced. It doesn't need to be suffered for and sacrificed for. That maybe we're enough already to go out there and to enjoy our way to our goals. It's so important for health and well-being. And I love that Dr. Rongen is enormously passionate about stillness and solitude, which is a major player in helping us to uncover and establish trust and self-worth. One of the big problems in society, I feel, is that we're so busy trying to do more, get more, be more, that we forgot about the pleasure of, of simply being, just being present to how you're feeling. We don't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Now I do. And I can really feel the benefit. It's something I talk to my patients about. Do you have any solitude? Okay, how can I help you with that? And uh, what was that phrase? I think it's Blair Pascal, this French philosopher. All humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit in silence. And I kind of think he's nailed it. I really do. For me, this is an amazing conversation and one that carries great possibility. It certainly has, I think, the power to inspire expansion and speaks to that inner voice, which is crying out for freedom and for flow and for connection and everything that goes with health and well-being. It's so reassuring that people like Dr. Rongen are supporting and treating patients as complete and whole, equally deserving beings, understanding that they are immensely capable of opening up their own health and well-being and journeying into their own potential. His message is one, I think, that encourages us to become the architects of our own health and happiness. Health and well-being is not just for putting more years in your life, but actually about putting more life in your years. In fact, I think it's about putting more life in this moment right now, because Above all else, is it not worth seeing how much of life we can touch whilst we're here on this planet? How much of our potential we can reveal? Thank you so much for listening to today's Tuesday episode of I Am. The Tuesday drops are definitely a space for me to reflect on the interviews to come and set the scene a little. And hopefully I've done this for you and you're now very excited to listen. The full episode will follow in a couple of days, so keep your ear out for it. As always, I really want this to be a two-way conversation. So if you've got any questions, just pop a review in the review section on Apple Podcasts or contact me through my social channels. I would love to hear from you. Until then, I'm Johnny Wilkinson and this is I Am.